Good morning, good morning. It's hot in here, isn't it? That's actually Holy Spirit, it's not the AC. (laughs) No, but actually forgive us, we've been having some issues with our air conditioning unit. Um, We have a vendor that's been coming most of the week and they're almost close to being done, so forgive us for the, the heat. Um, you can use your hand to fan if you need to. Um, so I won't interpret that as come here. I'll understand that you're just hot, so it's all right. <laughs> My name is Samuel. I am one of the leaders here at the Harbor Church, and so glad to see you all. I'm part of an amazing team, especially an amazing teaching team. And I just want to jump right into the word this morning. And yeah, let's pray. Father, thank you. Your word is alive. Your word changes us. And we're thankful for that. Holy Spirit, would you do what you do? Uh, Thank you for being faithful to do that. I trust you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, This whole month, we've been in a series, not really a series, but we've kind of themed it Open Heaven, where it's not geared towards any specific theme per se. It's just us as a leadership team, just hearing from the Lord for our community and for this region and just releasing what we hear. A few weeks ago, we were in prayer as as a staff, and one of the reoccurring themes that we heard in our time of prayer with the Lord is this this theme of of rest, resting. And that's what I want to focus on today is is rest. Rest is unique because it's something that everyone can participate in, but not everyone experiences. It's weird how that works. But my, my goal today is to talk about rest, what it is, and how we can actually experience it. So to do that... I want to read from Hebrews chapter 4, and I'm going to start at verse 9, and that'll be our launching point. And it reads, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Before I move on, there's two things I want to really point out here in this scripture. Number one, this, this idea, this theme of rest, the fact that it's still available is confirmation that we actually need it. That's the, that's the first thing. And the second thing is that this rest is for God's people. In one particular story, Jesus would say that man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. This, this theme of rest was made for man. And God, it, God is calling us. Actually, he's inviting us. He's asking us to consider, to enter into his rest. Now, that's different from just saying, I'm going to rest. We're being invited to enter into 
God's rest. Verse 10, this is why I say that. It says, for anyone who enters God's rests also rests from their works just as God did from his. So it seems to me that before we can enter into God's rest, we have to reorient what we think rest is like. And by implication, we also have to redefine the kind of work that we do that we think will lead to rest. So this is God's rest that he's calling us into. So what that means, I love this, what that means is God's rest that he's calling us into, it's for us to experience and enjoy rest the way God does. I'm not talking about a day off of work. I'm not talking about a hammock on the beach, although I love hammocks on the beach, by the way. I'm talking about the kind of rest that God experiences himself. That he wants us to experience with him. Okay. And here's what I mean by that. If you turn to Genesis, or if you look on the screen here, this this brings us into what rest really is like in terms of the way God experiences it and the way he defines it. Starting at verse 2 of Genesis 2, it says, By the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Verse 3, Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Why? Because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, this is one of those familiar stories. It's the first book of the Bible that we're introduced to in terms of God creating everything. The, the land, the sea, the moon, the stars, the animal, vegetation, trees, whatso, whatsoever. God creates all of that. Now, here's what's important. What God is doing in the realm of creation is he is providing an environment that is conducive for relational interaction. What God is doing in Genesis chapter 1 is he is preparing a place for us to relate to him. It is the best environment possible for us to relate to him. So after he is done creating this, on the seventh day he steps back, everything is good. And it says that he blessed that day and he made it holy because the seventh day is when God gets to rest and enjoy what he has created. Not only that, but on the seventh day is when God gets to enjoy the people he has created. So it's not even about the environment per se. It's about the people. So he's enjoying the fulfillment of the intention he has for his people and the environment he structures. And that's him entering into his rest. Hmm. 
when you read Genesis chapter 1, you'll see some things that are pretty consistent where after God finishes creating something on a day, it says, then it was evening and the morning, and it was the first day. Or there was evening and the morning, and then it was the second day, and so on and so on. But for some reason, when he gets to the seventh day, there's no mention of evening or morning. So it it makes us ask, well, why is that? For every other day, there is a front and back, so to speak. There's a Evening and morning. But the seventh day, there is nothing. Why? Because the seventh day and the kind of rest that God enjoys is meant to be open-ended for everyone to step into. There is never an end point to resting with God. From the very beginning, God meant the, he, he meant for the seventh day to be open. And based on Hebrews chapter 4, it says there still remains a rest for the people of God. So then the question is, why do people choose not to enter into it? If we're talking about intimate interaction with God relationally, that is unhindered and uninterrupted. If we're talking about stepping into an environment that God himself made that was intended to foster this kind of connection, why do some of us refuse to enter it? Well, in Hebrews chapter 3, we kind of see this answer. Before I read this verse, just a brief little description here, this This book of Hebrews, by the way, was written to people that were beginning to consider that maybe this Christian thing isn't what it's all cracked up to be. They are still being persecuted. They're still trying to reconcile their faith and what it means. And they're beginning to think, maybe I should just give this thing up. So... Chapter 3, verse 18, it says, And to whom did God swear that they would never enter into his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter. Why? Because of their unbelief. Because of their unbelief. Now, this particular story he's referring to is about the story of Israel. Now, they had just been delivered from oppressive Egyptian slavery by miracles, signs, and wonders. God had brought them out. He did the seemingly impossible, brought them out of slavery charting a course towards the land that was promised to them. But for some reason, they began to stray away from the God who had delivered them. They began to show that they truly 
did not believe that God would provide, protect, or care for them, even though he had proven it time and time again. Now, let's, let's not be too hard on Israel in this story, because if we're honest, we still have moments that even though God provides miraculously, even though God heals supernaturally, even though God does the impossible, we still have moments where we wrestle with believing if he's really going to do it again. So the tendency is, I'm going to have to get myself out of this on my own. Leverage my own ingenuity, my own connections, my networking skills, my, my gifting. I've got to do this on my own because God may not bail me out this time. Hmm. What's interesting about this story also is when, when God initially called Moses to say, listen, I want my people to be free from slavery and oppression. And he tells Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh. Go to the one who's in charge and tell, the, tell him to let my people go. When Moses does that, you know what Pharaoh says? Pharaoh says, why do you stop the people from working? Why do you want the people to stop working? And that's usually the tension that we face. When when God is calling us to really rest with him, there's this voice, whether it's in our own head or someone else, that would always say, you need to keep working. You need to keep working. You can't stop. Okay. Here's why I say that. Sometimes the biggest hindrance to resting is the fear of irresponsibility. Sometimes the biggest wall from resting is the fear of irresponsibility. Well, I I should be doing something, right? I should say something, right? I should add a bullet point to my resume, right? See, but when we enter into God's rest, we are reminded that he was working even when we weren't. Here's why I say that. John chapter 5. And leading to this verse, there are some people who were a little bit confused as to why Jesus was healing people and helping people when he was supposed to be resting. When you read the gospel story, you'll notice that most of his miracles were happening on the Sabbath day, on the day where you're supposed to be resting and not doing anything. But he, he doesn't do that. And in this particular chapter, you know, he had healed this person, and these religious leaders are saying, 
Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? Who gives you the right to do that? Verse 17. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. But wait a minute, I thought the father was resting. I, I thought it said that the father ceased from his work. Why are you now saying that he's still working? So if, if creation is about the environment that is best suited to have relationship with God, then when Jesus is healing people, and when he's saying that the Father is working and I am working, what it seems to suggest is that Jesus is removing whatever is hindering people from entering into that rest. He's, he's like clearing the way. He's removing the rocks. He's, he's digging. He's uprooting. He's pruning because there now is barriers and hindrances from entering into the rest of God. So he's still working. But he's working from rest. See how that works? So it's almost as if Jesus is, when he's healing people, when he's ministering to people, it's almost as if he's saying, you should not be carrying this burden. You should not be walking around with this. You shouldn't have to live day by day with depression or anxiety or sickness or frustration or bitterness or resentment or sickness. That is hindering you from stepping into the enjoy, the enjoyful rest with God. So rest, then, is not avoiding work. It's engaging in a better work. It's engaging in the kind of work that sets people free. <laughs> so which is to say that the opposite of rest is not activity. The opposite of rest is worry. All right, Mark chapter 4. Jesus stepped into this boat with his disciples. They're, they're, they're on the sea, and Jesus begins to rest, goes to sleep. This is what happens, verse 37. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Look, he didn't just lay down. He laid down with intention. He had a cushion. So he had every intention of going to sleep when he stepped on that boat. Every intention. Okay. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? I don't know if there's anyone 
who doesn't get annoyed when you're awoken out of your sleep? I don't know a person. I don't think I've ever seen or never been at a point where someone wakes me up and I get up with a smile. No one. There's always this... I know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Someone wakes you up and you're like, what, what? (laughs) Better yet, that reaction you have if someone interrupts you while you're praying, that. And everyone said, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Look, you'll know how, how, how deep in your salvation you are by how you respond when someone interrupts you when you're praying. I have never seen someone smile when they get interrupted in their prayer. No one. It's always... Th- Always. <laughs> so they wake Jesus up. Don't you care that we're going to drown? Why do we default to the belief that God doesn't care? Don't you care? Don't you care that I'm in debt? Don't you care that I lost my job? Don't you care that I'm on the verge of divorce? Don't you care that I can't find a counselor to help me? Don't you care? Verse 39, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Jesus just has a way of walking with rest. He just has a way, wherever he is, wherever he shows up, rest just happens. Whether he says it or not. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? There's that unbelief thing. The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other, that even the wind and the waves obey him? The implication is, the implication is, if creation, if what he made to, to make interaction possible, if creation can obey him, why can't we? If creation can believe, if he said it, I have to do it, then why can't we? I heard someone say before that worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. (laughs) So to enter God's rest, we have to cease from our work. And typically what our work is, unbelief, and hardened hearts. But we have to cease from our work and enjoy the benefits of Jesus' work. (laughs) Because 
the work that Jesus did, it took away our guilt. So that's why we can say there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus because he took away the guilt. He issued a verdict of not guilty that stands the test of time to all those who place their faith in him. His work was to, to bear our shame so that the scripture now says that we can boldly come to the throne of grace or to the presence of God without fear of shame. In other words, we can go to God completely vulnerable and know we won't be judged. That's the implication of what Jesus did when he hung naked on a cross for every passerby to ridicule him and say, look, this is the king of the Jews. If he is the son of God, then let God deliver him. That was intended to be shameful. But Jesus bore our shame so that we would no longer have to live in shame. going to read this next verse in the message paraphrase because I think it brings this language down to earth. Matthew 11, starting at verse 28. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. There's that rest theme. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that phrase. The unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Unlike Pharaoh, when Moses said, let my people go, he said, you know what? They're going to work double time now just because of you. He says, keep company with me and you'll learn to live life freely and lightly. <laughs> freely and lightly. That was Darren's message last week, to go low and go light. That's the kind of rest we're being invited into to experience enjoying the presence of God. In Harbor Life today, we were talking about the church and one of our, our, our points is that the, the church is a body and not an organization. The church isn't the place where you try to climb a ladder. In fact, in the scripture, there's only one ladder. That's Jacob's ladder and that's Jesus. So if you want to climb a ladder, then you climb Jesus. So why do we need rest? Because we were made for it. We were made for it. We weren't made to carry burdens and sickness and worry. Our bodies weren't designed to carry that kind of load. It is unnatural. 
We were made for rest. We were made to enjoy the fulfillment of the work of God. That's how he rests. He looks around and said, I'm going to enjoy this. This is good. And I'm going to enjoy it with you. That's what makes it best. And how do we experience this rest? Entrusting ourselves to the care of Jesus. The scripture says, cast your care on him because he cares for you. God is inviting us into that kind of rest where we trust him. We trust him to provide. We trust him to protect. We trust him to comfort. We trust him to heal. We trust him to be present. We just have to entrust ourselves into the care of God. Psalm 23 reads, The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. In other words, everything I need, the Lord will provide it. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in times of stubbornness or rebellion, not with a heavy hand, but with an open heart. He makes me lie down. And he leads me beside still waters. He shows me what peace looks like so I can step into it and enjoy it for myself. That's our God. That's the rest he's calling us into. So, I know, this isn't me being prophetic, this is just me being logical. I know there's a few people here who need to enter into the rest of God. By virtue of us being human, many of us need to enter into the rest of God. So, I'm going to allow Trent to keep playing. And let's put into practice... Let's get into this unforced rhythm of grace by simply resting. Don't do anything. Just sit there. Focus on God. Trust me. You will have competing thoughts that dart through your mind. As often as they come, reorient yourself to the face of Jesus. It's okay. It's all right. And when you get to a point where you maybe you want to receive prayer then we're going to have a team up in the front to pray for you to enter into that rest because I know many of you need rest I know it you're tired and you're tired of being tired so for the next few moments Trent's going to play and let's just practice this rest if you have kids feel free to go and get your kids right now but for those of us that say yeah, I need that rest. This is going to be a moment for us to kind of begin to engage it. And let's see what the Holy Spirit does.